Good morning, second service. How's everybody doing? Man, it's good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, looking good in your little Resurrection Sunday outfits. <laughs> Ladies in your pretty little dresses and guys in your pretty little suits. And I got my pretty little shirt on. I, some people are telling me, like, Luke, the 70s have called. They want their shirt back. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Last night, I, I put it on because Shauna wanted to make sure that it matched my shoes, and my son comes strolling out in the kitchen. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Dad, that looks horrible. No. So I'm like, I really came today feeling with a lot of confidence because my son just said, he goes, Dad, old people don't wear that kind of shirt. I'm like, okay, thanks, buddy. I'm going to wear it now just because you said that. But, well, it is great. How many guys had a hard time finding a parking lot, a parking space? Anybody? Nobody? Hey, that's awesome. That's good. Usually we have people having to park on the road to get here, so that's, that's great. Awesome. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. Uh, ushers will give that to you. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. I went to a church one time where the parking lot was so big, they literally had little trams, little trains with carts that they would pick you up at the cart and you'd be like riding all the way. It's like, man, I feel like I'm at SeaWorld or something like this. This is awesome. And it would just take you to church, but... But here, you, here at Whitestone, you gotta walk. So it's just the way it goes. But a beautiful day to walk, huh? Talk about a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend we've had. In fact, I even got to work with my bees this weekend. Yep, did you guys know I was a beekeeper? Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in the beekeeping community. <laughs> no, just joking. I've already lost one hive, so I'm terrible at it. But um, I think we got a little time for a story. I'll tell you the story, this is awesome. Um, my buddy who gave me, he had two hives he was, you know, he wanted to get rid of, and so he brought them over to my house, and he took them out of his truck and set them down. He wanted to show me the ropes, and so um, he's a big guy, big beard, and he takes out, he's wearing shorts and just a t-shirt, and he gets the hive down. He says, all right, Luke, I just want to kind of show you the ropes and kind of what you're looking at, and so he goes, yeah, I should probably put a head net on, and I'm like, probably should have had a head nut on. I'm like, when you see beekeepers, they look like aliens. They're like in these big suits and everything. And he just puts a head nut on, lifts the lid off, and they're all zzzz. And he just like, all right, Luke, this is barehanded. He picks it up, and he's showing me like these are eggs, and that's a drone. And he's showing, going through all this thing. Bees are flying everywhere. And I'm kind of from a distance going, oh, this is kind of terrifying, you know, all these bees. In the process of doing that, he goes, ooh, got a little feller climbing up my shorts here, and he grabs it, he pulls it out and releases it, and I'm like, I think I just have a brand new hero in my life. This guy, he's like a beekeeping stud. He was incredible. Fast forward two weeks later. It's my job to kind of go check the hive to make sure everything's okay. I'm like, well, if my buddy John can do it with just a head net on, I can do it with just shorts and a, and a thing. So I take the lid off, and I'm like, take it off, and I'm so I pick up one of the hives to look at, and I'm looking at it, and a bunch of bees start crawling on my arm, and I'm like, oh. I set it down, I grab another one, and they're still on it, and all of a sudden, wham, someone hits me and stings me. I drop the thing, I'm running on my lawn, they're getting in my shirt, I got stung in my face, on my arm, in my, my chest, and I was like, man. So now I wear a full suit and everything to go out there, and I'm like a beekeeping wuss. I can't do anything. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know how to transition from that, but uh, 
You guys have no idea how much I love you and how special you are to me. Uh, and visitors who are here today, it is great to have you to celebrate Resurrection Sunday together. Uh, I, I love this day, and I hope I get to meet some of you guys in between service, and I know a lot of the Whitestone family would love to get to meet you too, so make sure you hang around and, and introduce yourself to some people. But today, as you well know, is Resurrection Sunday, and it's the day that we obviously celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and, and our King Jesus. And, and I thought that just to begin with, I would read you the story uh, of the moment our Lord Jesus rose from the dead. I know Kirk read from one of the Gospels. I'm gonna read it from a different one, from Matthew. And it's just such a powerful story. And uh, I thought we would read it together this morning. So as I read it, I'm gonna ask you to just let the story sink in. Imagine the events, imagine yourself there, smell the smells, see the sights, and, and let yourself just be caught up in the power of the story. So here it is, the story of the resurrection of your Lord, okay? As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. And going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. So Joseph took the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and he placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and he went away. While he did this, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb watching. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they went to Pilate and they said, Sir, we remember that when this Jesus was still alive, this deceiver, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So we want you to give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples will probably come and steal the body and tell everybody that he's been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said, well, okay, go take a guard. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a Roman seal on the tomb and posting a Roman guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. When all of a sudden there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone, and then he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. And the Roman guards were so afraid of him, they shook and they became like dead men. And then the angel turned to the women and said, don't be afraid. I, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Well, he's not here. He is risen, just as he said he would. Come, you can see the place where he lay. But then after, go quickly and tell his disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. Love that story. Never gets old to me. I so wish that I could have been there to just witness those events. Wouldn't that be amazing? I do think, though, that in heaven there's going to be like a library full of DVDs where we can just look at different events. We can say, I'm going to rent out David and Goliath tonight, or I'm going to rent out the resurrection tonight, and we're going to get to see these things. There's got to be something God's have, because I would love to see these things actually happen. Now, I know often the word resurrection, it just, 
That word has almost become like nothing to so many Christians. It's just, it, we, we've heard it so many times that it becomes, actually it becomes mundane. But, but people, Jesus' resurrection is so far from mundane. Can you just please allow yourself to let it sink in this morning? Can you allow the reality that a dead person came back to life three days later? I mean, every time we mention the resurrection of Jesus, that he rose from the dead, it should blow our minds. It should rock our worlds. He was the first and only human being to walk out of his own tomb by his own power. Look at what it says in John. It says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Right there, Jesus is making it clear. Yeah, they may kill me, but it is because I have given them the authority to kill me. And I have the authority to come back to life as well. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I'm sorry, I've met no other person who could tell me that except for Jesus. That is pretty amazing. His resurrection is so amazing. And this week... You know, while reading through the passion, the story of him being arrested and, and taken to the Sanhedrin and the high priest and um, him then taking to Pilate and his beating and being hung on a cross, reading through that story, I don't know about you, but there's certain encounters that Jesus goes through in that story that really kind of bother me. They kind of upset me. They kind of get me ticked off. And every time I read them, I don't care how, many, how old I am, when I read them, I'm just like, ugh, it kind of just irritates me that that happened. Like, for instance, in, in front of the high priest in the Sanhedrin, when Jesus gets taken there, and they have two false witnesses come, and they false testify against him, and Jesus just remained silent. He didn't, he didn't go, that's a lie. He just stood there. And the high priest came up to him and says, listen, you have been charged. What are you going to say about that? Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And Jesus said, what you have said is true. Essentially saying, yes, I am. And then the high priest stepped back and went, oh, ripped his clothes. He's like, blasphemy, blasphemy. This man deserves death. And when I read that, I'm just like, you fool. Don't you know that you are talking to the high priest? The absolute highest high priest, the son of God, you have no idea what you're doing or what you're saying. And then they blindfold him and they, they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists and they beat him and, and others would come up to him and slap him and say, hey, prophesy to us, Jesus, Messiah, to hit you, you can tell us. That encounter, encounter bothers me. I'm like, how dare you treat my Lord that way? It'd be the part of the movie, you know, where the enemies are all encircled around a guy and all of a sudden the superpower guy goes, whew, and they all just fly against the wall and slam to the ground. That's what you want Jesus to do, but he doesn't. He just stands there like a sheep going to the slaughter. The other encounter is when he stood before Pilate and, and Pilate is asking him, he says, are, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus is like, is that you asking me the question or does somebody else tell you that? And Pilate's like, dude, I'm not a Jew. Okay, it was your people who handed you over to me, so what have you done? And Jesus says, listen, the reason that I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth, they listen to me. And Pilate was like, okay, what is truth anyways? And he just walks out of the room. And I read that part of the story, and I'm like, oh, you, you fool. You're talking to the one who is truth. 
You're talking to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And you're walking away from him. You're crazy. Do you even know what you're doing? That encounter always bothers me. There's other encounters, but the last one I want to talk about is, is when the, the soldiers at the cross, and, and Scripture tells us that they hurled insults at him, they made fun of him, and as Jesus hangs there naked on a Roman cross, soldiers mocked him, and, and then they decided to cast lots, They're like, hey, let's take his clothing, let's, let's cast lots, and let's see who gets his clothing. So I can imagine this group of soldiers there laughing and having a good time and rolling, you know, what I don't know what to do with lots. They would cast it and be like, hey, Doug got the, the outside cloak. That's awesome. Good job, Doug. All right, let's see who gets the sandals. And they were all like, ah, Tommy got the sandals. All right. All right, let's go for the last one. And then they're just having fun. Well, all the while, a few, feet, a few feet away from them is the creator of the universe hanging on the cross. If only they knew. They're disrespecting him, they're making fun of him, they're laughing at him, they're taunting him, and here he was, their creator. Now, I mention all these encounters because if you and I happen to be in Jesus' shoes, okay, just imagine, I know it's hard to, but imagine, let's say that you and I went through what Jesus did, we went through each one of these encounters, and then we were crucified and we died on a cross, and then we were buried, and three days later, we came out of the tomb. We rose to life again. Be honest, who would be the first people you would show up on their doorstep to show yourself to be risen from the dead? I don't know about you, but I would show up in the middle of that Sanhedrin in front of the high priest, and I'd be like, got any words for me now, big dog? <laughs> I'd turn to the temple guard and says, you wanna give me a slap now? I mean, I, I would just want to rub their faces in the dirt. And next, I would go to Pilate, and I'd say, hey, bro, remember me? Want to finish up that little talk on truth that we had the other day? I'd make sure that he had no power compared to me. I would then go to the soldiers, and I'd walk into their barracks and say, hey, tough guys, can I get my clothes back? You see, I'd want to flaunt my resurrection. I'd want to rub people's noses in it, and I would enjoy doing it. But that wasn't Jesus' focus. That wasn't what he did. That wasn't his mission. Jesus wasn't playing the world's kind of games. He wasn't into silly retaliation tactics. No, Jesus' focus was to conquer the unseen kingdom of darkness and to claim all authority in heaven and on earth. And he came to entrust his kingdom into the hands of some straggled, confused, timid followers who would go forth in resurrection power to extend his kingdom into every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everywhere. Amen? And that's exactly what he did. And his resurrection was crucial it was a very crucial piece that needed to be accomplished for them to do so. And today I want to look at some of those things that his resurrection accomplished. These are things that many of us have never thought through, we never even knew, or we, never did, we don't ponder them. And I want us to take time to ponder them this morning because the res resurrection is powerful. The resurrection was crucial for his disciples back then, and it's just as crucial for us today. And hopefully this will greatly encourage you. First thing that Jesus did by raising from the dead. By the way, is it raising from the dead or rising from the dead? Yes. Thanks for your help. <laughs> They're both right, right? 
guess none of us were good in English, but we'll just say raising. First thing that Jesus did by raising from the dead is that he once for all settled the argument that he was the son of God. He settled it. You know, guys, I've done a lot of funerals. I've been around a lot of death. I've seen a lot of dead bodies. And you know, it's crazy. There's, some, there's nothing more final and more jarring than seeing a dead body. It's dead. It's lifeless. That person is gone. In all the death I've ever seen, I have never, ever, ever seen someone come back from it. But Jesus did. Jesus' dead body suddenly began to course with blood again and his heart began to beat again and he began to breathe and he got up from that rock slab and he walked out of his own tomb by his own power. Talk about proving to the world that he was the son of God. And not only that, he, he prophesied it. He said he was going to do that. He said, you know, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He was talking about himself. Take this body out, destroy this body, and I'll raise it back up. Now, it's one thing to prophesy something. It's a whole nother thing to actually fulfill your own prophecy. Talk is cheap, but he fulfilled it. Guys, if he hadn't risen from the dead, he would have been declared a liar. But he did raise from the dead, and by doing that, no one can contradict the fact that he is the Son of God. He proved it. His raising from the dead proves that he's Lord of all. He's sovereign over all. He's king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And the resurrection proves that. Our Lord conquered death. Our Lord holds the keys of death. Amen? First truth that we should just look at that and go, man, he is Lord. He proved it. Number two, the resurrection sealed the payment for the sins of the world. Okay, now I know many of you maybe not weren't here last week. If you want to listen to last week's sermon, you can't. Just go online and listen to it. But we talked about everything that the cross accomplished. So removing our sin and guilt, removing God's wrath, removing our alienation from God, paying the ransom to set us free from the kingdom of darkness. The, well, guess what? The resurrection makes all of those things possible. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, Luke, I thought you said that the cross made those things possible. I thought his death and his shed blood was what provided payment for sins, and you would be right. However, if he did not resurrect, his death would not mean anything. Anything. Like it says in 1 Corinthians, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, man, we're, we're of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, it would be silly. It would be almost, it would be just plain stupid that we're here today. It would be crazy that I am be a preacher. Why would I be a pastor if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? Why would we ever pray if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? If Christ had not risen from the dead, you and I would still be in our sins. What a horrible place that would be. We'd still be lost, we'd still be facing death, we'd still be facing judgment, we'd still be facing God's wrath. Without his resurrection, I mean honestly, it would have just been a good effort up by Jesus. Like hey, good try Jesus, A for effort, I mean, you made it all the way to the cross and you died. Good for you, but you didn't finish it. Well, he finished it. 
You see, Jesus not raising from the dead is like writing a check without money in the bank. It'll just bounce. Check is no good unless it can be cashed. Like verse 19 says, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, we would be people most pitied. I mean, the world would look at us and say, look at those Christians. Oh, man. Bless their little hearts. They're following a dead God. They're worshiping a dead God. I feel sorry for them. I really do. We'd be mocked. We'd be ridiculed. We'd be pitied. But listen to me. Look at this verse. Here's the truth. Let's all read it out loud together. You ready? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen? We don't have to worry about Jesus not raising from the dead because he did. He did. And the resurrection of Christ proved that he was the son of God, that he was the giver of all life, and that his work to pay for our sins through his death was sufficient. It was complete. The check was cashed. The work was finished. Your sins were not paid for until Christ rose from the dead and stepped out of that grave. And it was at that point your sins were wiped clean. And he did come out of that grave. Number three, the resurrection made possible the imputation of his righteousness to us. Another fancy Christian word. Now, how many have heard of the word imputation? Okay, it's not to be accused with ampu- confused with amputation. But if you know what amputation is, it will help you understand what imputation is because they are the complete inverse. They are opposites to each other. So amputation means to take away or to take off or to remove. Imputation means to put in, to be given or ascribed. So here's the point, and hopefully you can take this on. This will hopefully make sense because it's huge. Second Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? righteousness of God. See that? God imputed our sins onto Jesus and then in turn imputed Jesus' righteousness onto us. Did you know that the resurrection of Christ proved that Jesus was perfectly righteous? You ever thought about that? You see, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it proves that he was perfectly righteous. He was a perfect sacrifice. Because after dying for the sins of the world, if he were not perfectly righteous, he would not deserve to live again. But because he was righteous, he rose from the dead and he imputed righteousness unto us. Okay? It is not only by his resurrection that righteousness can be, I mean, sorry, it's not only by the cross that the sins have been taken away, but it's also important to realize that by his resurrection, his righteousness has been placed on us. The good news Jesus came to give us doesn't just stop with taking away our sin, it ends with Jesus giving us his righteousness. And that is the good news of the resurrection. Plain and simple, you need to know that one. All right, number four, the resurrection provided us a mediator between us and God. Now this is a big one. A mediator is someone who brings two parties together, okay? Remember last week, we talked about reconciliation. Jesus reconciled us to God. In other words, he brought us together with God. Scripture describes Jesus as being a mediator. In Timothy, it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. If Jesus were dead, no reconciliation could happen. 
Just wouldn't. Wouldn't happen. He couldn't bring us together. We'd be just left alone, separated from God, and, and we'd be hopeless. But because we have a mediator who is alive, we literally have access to the very throne room of God. In Hebrews it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Come with confidence to the throne of grace so that we can ask for help, ask for grace, ask for mercy in our times of need. Guys, we can come to God's throne himself because of Jesus. We don't have to pray through, you know, have a mediator, have a high priest bring us to Jesus. We don't have to pray to Mary to get to, to, to God. We don't have to pray through other saints to get to God. We have Jesus, amen? amen. Last thing I wanna mention about Jesus' resurrection, and it ties in with the last one we talk about, but the resurrection allows us to have an interactive relationship with God himself. Think about that, with God himself. We get to know him. As we talk about a lot, lot here, that's eternal life. Jesus came to this earth so that we could have eternal life. And eternal life is knowing God. This is a prayer Jesus was praying right before he was arrested. And look at what he says. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they what? Know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth so that we could get to know God. So we could have an interactive relationship with God. And the resurrection provides that. It ensures that. We couldn't get to know God if our mediator was dead. He needs to be alive. And why stone he is. And why stone we can get to know God. We can have a relationship with God thanks to Jesus and the resurrection. Amen? Please don't let that truth be lost on you. Getting to know God and him knowing you is one of the most wonderful things we could ever experience. And all of these things depend on the bodily resurrection of Christ. Without the resurrection, none of these things would be possible. In fact, we, we wouldn't even be Christians. We wouldn't be followers of Jesus unless Christ rose from the dead. I want you to see this. Christianity is not just a religion filled with religious followers that follow some religious figure. No, the Christian faith, it rests on the resurrection. We have to have the resurrection. It is a key point in, in, the whole, in, in all of our faith. That's why we celebrate today. And that's why we should celebrate today, because it's worth celebrating, amen? I wanna end with this this morning. I know there may be some here today who you would say that you're, you're not religious. You're not into religion. And you look around the world and you see all the damage that religion has caused and you just want nothing to do with religion. But you're here today because maybe your mom made you come or your wife made you come or it's just tradition in your family to go to church on, on, on Easter and Christmas. And so you just come here today and you stand through all the songs and you sit here and you gut through me droning on and on talking because you don't like religion. If that's you this morning, I'm just gonna ask you, can I have your ear for just a few minutes? Because I want you to understand something. Knowing God 
and knowing Jesus, it's not a religion. Following Jesus is not being religious. Religion, in, in my opinion, is neither here nor there. Religion, in my opinion, is just man's way of trying to get to God. And you're right, a lot of damage has been caused on this earth due to religion. But I want you to know something. We here are not into religion. What we're into is a relationship with God. And that's what God wants with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him, to have an interactive relationship with him where you know him and he knows you. And guys, that is nowhere close to religion. It's a life. It's an eternal kind of life. It's a life from above that comes and it, and it stands out from the rest of the world. And it starts by believing in Jesus. Let me tell you something this morning. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus, you are missing out on the single greatest relationship mankind has ever been offered. And I would encourage you to get to know him. Study about him. Learn about him. Learn what he taught. Learn what he did for you. Learn how he died for you. Learn how he rose again for you and what those things mean for you. Believe in him and follow him. Take his commands and put them into practice and you're gonna find that your life will begin to change in ways you never, ever imagined. He'll take your anxiety and he'll give you peace. He'll take your anger and he'll give you gentleness. He'll take your sadness and he'll give you joy. He'll take your shame and he'll give you forgiveness. He'll take your weakness and he'll give you power. He'll take your aimless life and he will give you a life that will have eternal impact. And on and on and on it goes. I'm telling you, following Jesus, following the risen Lord is the single greatest opportunity that anyone has ever been offered on this earth. And I would encourage you to take him up on his offer. He loves you more than you could ever know. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you think about yourself. Doesn't matter how worthless you may think you are. He doesn't think that. He loves you and he cares about you. And he wants to lead you into an abundant life. I promise you he does. That is what our risen Lord is like. And I can say that because I know him. And there are many here today who know him as well. And they would say the exact same thing. Let this resurrection day be the day where your life is given to Jesus. And you let him transform you into the person that he desires you to be. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the celebration that we, we, we have today in the raising of your son. And God, if there is anybody here today who does not know you, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in ways they never dreamed possible. I pray that you would organize 
conversations in their life where they would start to understand that it, you do love them and you do want to do life with them and that you came to this earth so that they could have a relationship with you. God, we love you and we are so grateful and so thankful for your son, Jesus. We praise you today and all the days going forward. In Jesus' name, amen.